Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Clutch Level. As always, my co-host, Dylan Rankin, back here to look at the NFC South. Uh, we've made our way through six divisions thus far, uh, looking at our previews for the NFL season. And uh, Dylan, two more to go. Uh, we always finish with the AFC South, so that means the NFC South, in its usual spot, is uh, the second to last uh, one that we preview. And... <laughs> I don't want to give anything away here. You and I are recording before this, and you you know how I labeled the NFC South. And this is not, I'm not meaning this in a, a derogatory way at all, but I think this is, and I say that, Dylan, I think about the AFC South that we're going to get to in the next episode, and I'm like, well, maybe that's the one, but I think there's actually more intrigue for different reasons. The NFC South may be the, most, the least interesting division in the NFL to me, <laughs> and the reason I say that is... I think you've got it, you know, as defined of tiers of this division as you have perhaps in any other division, you know, because we've talked about kind of that gap, like we're like, okay, it was like two games that separate the top team and the bottom team in this division or that division. Um, <laughs> not the case in uh, this particular division. I guess the other parallels you could draw would be the AFC East where you have, you know, but, but there's a lot more interesting storylines mm-hmm. there, yeah. I think. Because you've got even the Jets at a five and a half projected win team, there's a lot more interest I think in terms of maybe where things stand for them. But in the NFC South, like you've got a clear cut number one. I think you've probably got a clear cut number two. Um, yep. But even if the two and three swap, I don't think either one of them are necessarily you know world beaters. And then you've got a team at the bottom that's going to tie for the least for the lowest projected win total in the NFL with the team we're going to get to in the AFC South. So. I say all that to say that, man, this is, um, I don't, uh, th- there are storylines, don't get me wrong, but yeah. like this just feels like one of those divisions where everything seems pretty clear cut. We've been surprised before, but I don't have a lot of intrigue in this division the way I do others, I think. I think it might say more about what these other divisions have to offer and like some of the storylines there and less so about some of the stuff that's happening here. Like I'm still interested to see what the how the Falcons, if they can, in Arthur Smith's second year, start to take a step forward. Some of the... Kyle Pitts' usage goes up and how they how they utilize him in their passing game and just overall there's some things that are fun there obviously with I'm excited to see Baker try to uh you know make the Browns pay a bit in that first week one game but overall you know we, we haven't seen him fully healthy in a while and so it would be interesting to just see how he progresses in that in this year with Carolina there um and but yeah and also I guess New Orleans how they move on from Sean Payton but yeah overall like like you're saying, I think it's the other divisions just have so many intriguing things, and I think this is we're saying this while the team at the top of the with the Bucks, you know, could could be the best team in the NFC, might have the best setup to get the uh, one of the possibly be the one seed by the end of it, but just the overall, yeah, compared to some of the other divisions, I, I agree that there are, is maybe less intrigue. I think New Orleans is one that maybe I'm 
more interested in it at this point, though, uh, once we get to them. I think they maybe have, out of the teams we've talked about and as we keep going, they may have one of the bigger range of possibilities in terms of what could happen. It's just uh, so much uncertainty with how they're gonna, things are going to translate with, with Jameis possibly there uh, for the whole season at quarterback and what that could mean for where New Orleans is at because I think their defense is still really good. But, yeah, um, it just doesn't have – the same kind of build up, um, maybe you know, uh, compared to some of the other divisions. I apologize to any fans of these teams. I'm sure you're all really excited for yeah. for these uh, what's going to be happening this year. And again, I think it's just more steps. Maybe there these some of these teams are in a little bit earlier. Uh, well, the Panthers are an interesting one because I don't know if they've really acknowledged that they are not probably a contender. They've they have continued to spend and try to push forward and got another quarterback that isn't necessarily a top tier guy, but that's good. So we'll see what happens with them. But I think the Falcons are one that's, they're a little deeper in the rebuild. I, I'm happy they're able to acknowledge last year that, you know, they won some games, but they were not one of the best teams. They finished down towards the bottom of DVOA. Um, so uh, just, yeah, just compared to the other divisions, though, just not nearly as many storylines from top to bottom for me, at least that I, that I think of that I'm super, super excited for. <laughs> Yeah, it's not knocking the division. It's two things to me. It's upside. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have the number of teams in this division with the same kind of upside that we talked about in others. Um, yeah. That high upside, right? Um, you know, like we said, I, I just don't think it's there from top to bottom. I think you're looking at one team here with the high upside. The rest of the teams, at best, to me, are, you know, and maybe I'm just going to spoiling it, like nine, nine-ish win teams. Like, I don't think there's a ton of high upside for, for those kind of teams. Whereas, you know, in other divisions, maybe you got a couple teams in there. I just don't necessarily see that here. And it's also, to me, it's the, the division race itself. Like we talked about, you know, two games separate teams in some of these other divisions from, let's say, the projected highest team and the lowest team. Well, here you've got like a seven game, you know, from your highest to your yeah. lowest. And even like your, you know, you've got a three game projected um, difference between your first and second place team. So like those are the kind of things I think we talk about when we look at it this way, like I said, you could kind of compare it a little bit to the AFC East, but where the Bills are a heavy favorite, but it's a little bit different because I think there's, you know, there's some more just stuff there. I think in that division, there's a little more um, meat perhaps yeah. um, than this one. So, 100%. all right. If you're still listening at this point and you have not labeled us as NFC South haters, which we're not, um, again, we're just telling you the state of the, the NFC South. And I think Saints, Panthers, Falcons fans would all, um, you know, love to see their teams probably with a much higher projected win total. It just is what it is. Meanwhile, the Bucks are at 11 and a half in their projected win total. Uh, we know where things stand. Tom Brady's back yet again. And, um, you know, he's got his usual group of weapons to work with here. Julio Jones joining the mix, yeah. perhaps a resurgence for him. Uh, Leonard Fournette's back leading the way in the running game. Uh, the defense still has the playmakers. And, you know, new head coach, Todd Bowles, but he's been there. Um, Byron Leftwich still running the show on offense. Continuity, I think, is um, something that you, you love to have season in and season out. And although there was the the retirement scare for Brady, uh, he's back. Uh, offensive line situation is interesting. We know with the injuries, but yeah. um, still, I think, you know, 11 and a half. It's one of the highest projected win totals of any team in the NFL. And um, Tom Brady doesn't age, so that helps too. Yeah, exactly. I think they're just going to be – totally fine on offense um schedule wise 19th so it's not supposed to be a super tough slate for them compared to what we've seen in the, the first years with tom there obviously it does helping in the division they're in i think there's a chance the defense takes a, a step back do lose some guys but 
overall, I still think they're going to be uh, they're projected by football outsiders to finish 21st in defensive DVOA. I would think they're at least going to be pushing closer to the top 10, maybe not finishing as ninth like they were last year. But there are some changes that were made, and it was just difficult because they had so many good players, and some guys were going to ultimately have to get paid and end up leaving in free agency. So it was only there's only so much they could do there. I think offensively, though, even with the injuries they've had along the offensive line, obviously we know with Tom Brady, one one place if you're able to get in that interior pressure, it can make a big difference. But I just, you know, it's still Tom Brady. They still have all these weapons. Godwin coming back, a lot of good accounts of how his health has been. I think even, you know, obviously you mentioned Julio, but even Russell Gage when he's on the field has been pretty solid for them. Fournette's obviously been a big part of what they do. And, you know, they still, even though they lose guys in the offensive line, um, obviously the Jensen injury just a real killer. But being able at least a guard to slide in um, with Luke Godecki, the the second-round pick they had, and then Shaq Mason, their right guard, I think those are pretty solid additions to be making um on, on that side uh, you know to at least help with with guys like kappa leaving so um you know they uh, again in the defense though i mentioned losing jordan whitehead definitely going to be a little bit tough but it's just the schedule wise there's still got tom brady there's no reason after watching last season to think he's suddenly going to start performing worse we saw what he did in the second half of that game against the rams that is a team also that, it, that has just played really well against him since he got to tampa bay so that's you know that's part of it Nonetheless, just easily the favorite in this division. I, you know, we haven't. We're gonna have our our season uh, preview for the entire league with all our predictions next week. I can tell you now, I'm gonna pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the NFC South. Yeah. And that is as someone that, as we get to the Saints in a second here, you'll see that I I still do think the range of possibilities for New Orleans are pretty high, but. Tampa just, I mean, they could, I think their offense, if it doesn't finish in the number one or two, it's, I think it's still a top three, four DVOA offense by the end of it with how good they are. The offensive line, they have the weapons they have. This team's going to be right there in the mix, just like they were last year. Divisional round at the, it's like, you know, they're, they maybe, maybe have one of the lowest or sorry, highest floors. Like in terms of, like, if I think of teams, like with different things could happen and like, ah, maybe they go nine and eight, whatever. I think their floors, uh, absolute floor. If they lose every one score game is 10 and seven. And that's like, so it'll be a 10 win floor team. I mean, that ceiling wise, I, I think you could go up to, you know, where we've talked about the bills and other teams, you know, you don't predict teams to go 15 and two, 14 and three, but I think 14 wins is, it's definitely not a complete, uh, uh thing that can't happen. I mean, they do have some tougher games still on that schedule, despite the, this overall strength not being tough but I, I even against teams like New Orleans who they struggled with, with in the regular season even against you know you get teams like Dallas Green Bay Kansas City on the schedule the Rams um, San Francisco Cincinnati all tougher games but I, I'd say they'll at least win half those uh, they're, they're one of the best teams in the league so that is just a team maybe the division itself isn't like we're talking about the most uh, intriguing compared to some of these other ones, but from a just one team point of view, we, we've gotten maybe used to Tampa Bay at this point over these last three years, which is funny to think we're not that far off of a team that hadn't won a playoff game in over a decade. And now they're just, we just pencil them in as a Super Bowl contender. And obviously Tom Brady <laughs> deciding to not retire is a big part of that. We might be having a much different conversation about the Bucks in this division, even overall, if, if Tom had really decided to hang up his cleats for good. Yep, I think so. But uh, again, having that uh, continuity there with him and knowing what he's capable of, I don't think it changes much at all for the Bucks heading into the season. So, eleven and a half projected win total. I'm, I'm with you. I think it lowest I'd probably go would would be ten, um, barring injury, as we always mm-hmm. say. But I think that's probably it. I think ten to yeah. I mean, they they could have a really good season. So that's kind of where things stand um, on that. So. Uh, Bucks at eleven and a half projected win total for them, and then it is the Saints behind them at eight and a half. 
Look, I don't want to undersell the possibility of the Saints, because, but I think it's just the questions. There are so many questions for mm-hmm. me, um, you know, in terms of there's no Sean Payton, so how do you adjust there? Jameis is the quarterback, as we know, for the season. So what, what does that like, you know, for an entire season with this unit in a, a different situation now without Sean Payton? Um, wide receiver group, I think, is talented, but – we don't know what Michael Thomas is going to do. We don't know what Chris Olave is going to do. You know, yeah. Jarvis Landry's there. Like, I think it's just, you know, there, there's still some questions there. Um, you know, defense, I think certainly you've got you've got some, some skilled playmakers on defense uh, mm-hmm. without question. And so I think that's certainly something that, you know, they, they will try to lean on that will, will help them there. But I just, I don't know. I think I, I would like to see some questions answered, like I said, on that offensive side specifically um, before maybe you just go – too far with the Saints, but I think that probably goes to what you said—a very wide range of possibilities. Uh, projected win total eight and a half for New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think they'll. I would probably go over that just because of I still trust the defense. I still think what Dennis has done with that unit overall, like they're going to still be solid in my opinion. I, I do. I, it is the offense ultimately that just. Oh man, I just don't know. Like like you said, it could go. If the you know if Chris Olave they hit there, Michael Thomas stays healthy, Alvin Kamara stays on the field, the offensive line obviously you lose Armstead. There's some questions maybe about the overall where that line is compared to past years. I still think they're one of the top groups, if not uh, you know at least in the top ten uh, in my opinion. So with them, it's just the Jameis thing. Like you, you want to believe that you know some of the really good signs we saw early last year before he got injured. If he can stay on the field, that's just been a question mark as well. But just not having Sean Payton, it's not even like the structure of the offense. That's great that it can stay and they want to keep the, the same system and everything. But just from a game to game, having Sean Payton be the, the, the not not just the in-game decision making, but overall the, the planning for little little tweaks and little things. And I'm, you know, maybe they'll be able to give, phone a friend if they want, get a little input at some point in the season, depending on some things how they're going. But I think yeah, that's the side of the ball where I I have questions the most. I think Marcus May coming over at safety, and in terms of some you're talking about the playmakers in the secondary, I think that's an interesting guy that they have there. I think overall on that unit, like it's projected by Football Outsiders to be the number one defense in the NFL. I don't know if I would pick that necessarily, but I mean Tyron Matthew, such a you know when he's on the field, what he really meant, and who's a really big part of the Chiefs, and I know they struggled at times as a defense. I wouldn't say it's always his fault. Some of the things he did, obviously you don't have. And guys like Marcus Williams anymore but I think with May coming in with Matthew coming in just an interesting group um they're still really strong up front no reason to think they're gonna to, uh, fall off in a major way um Cameron Jordan's still eating obviously and overall uh, you know just across the board solid I think they talk, I talk about Buccaneers with a really low or sorry high floor um overall outcome I think there's a really high floor for where this defense can be I don't think they're gonna I have a hard time seeing them not being at least in the top ten, but I, you know, again with the with the guys they have, they have a strength of schedule at 14th, so not too not too tough, kind of middle of the pack. I think that defense ultimately will be one of the better units, and it's going to carry them. It's just how much can we trust Jameis? How much can we trust these playmakers? Because it's a team that at times has struggled to have too many uh, weapons the last couple of years. Obviously, Michael Thomas being out so long, him being back in there makes a big difference. Oh, man, it's just like it, the depth-wise, I do worry. Obviously, teams are going to have injuries, so it's like if they do sustain any injuries along the offensive line, if they have like one or two playmakers ever out, you can say this for a lot of teams, but I think the Saints are one in particular where it could really have a, a negative impact. 
So, like, floor, I mean, they could, you know, would I be shocked if this team went 7-10? and 10? No. Um, I, I think maybe even if I really want to be negative, I'd say 6 is the absolute floor for this team if their offense is really bad and the defense is great. I'll say 7, though. Um, and then ceiling-wise, I think it could go up to – I still think they could be a pretty good team. I'll go 11 wins. Uh, you know, they're definitely on the mm. bubble for me as a playoff team because the defense – if they're if they do have a top-five legitimate defense and the offense is just average – in the NFC, that that might be enough to get in. So I, I don't, I wouldn't predict that win total. I'd probably predict somewhere between nine and ten. But overall, um, I, I do think that you know, and that's where they were last year, just barely missing the playoffs. The Rams have beaten the Niners. They would have got, they would have snuck in. But overall, I do think I would go over eight and a half. At the end of the day, I think they're just, I think their defense is too good for them, unless Jameis just really implodes and the offense is really bad for them to not get that over. I'd, I'd feel decently about that one. Yeah, I think I would probably go, like I said, nine. Is probably the number I'm thinking of, so I mm-hmm. may do that too. And, and again, I say that like I say that sounding like I'm uninterested. Like in like, okay, it's a nine-win team, that's a winning team, but it's still I think those little things. Like I just I don't know, I don't fully have that confidence yet for the yep. Saints. So I'll go seven to ten for them. I think that's the number I would stick with. I don't think I'm quite go to eleven, but seven to ten is what I'll I'll land on for um, the Saints because again, it's not that I don't think they can be good. I just I want to see what the offense looks like um, before I'm fully committed to feeling like they're not going to, you know, perhaps take a, a, a step back. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. All right, the Panthers, six and a half is the number for them. So uh, you can see the trajectory here and where it's going. Um, <laughs> I I mean, for all, listen, for all the questions I said I had about the, the Saints offense, well, um, I got some of those same questions for the Panthers offense because uh, their quarterback is going to be Baker Mayfield. Um, as we know, Sam Darnold is out injured. When when is he he's, he's out for a while, isn't he? Told yeah, it ended up being not as uh, awful, yeah. I think, as they initially thought, but it's at least like a high ankle sprain. So it's going to be at least, they yeah. said four weeks minimum. Yeah, so we still thought Baker was probably going to be the guy, um, and he is. So he's going to be in control of his offense. Uh, how that turns out, who knows. But um, and look, they still have Christian McCaffrey, we know, can make plays and I think you've got a you've got some speed at wide receiver with with guys like DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I I, I think too, like you kind of look at this team. I just to me, it's like what what stands out the most, right? Like that's what I'm looking for with this team. Like what is it that really sort of stands out? I mean, like I said, I, I think I'm I'm intrigued by the speed of their their wide receiver group. Um, I've always said I think DJ Moore is kind of underrated. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about Terrace Marshall like last mm-hmm. year, talking about the the upside potential for him. But I just, I mean, look, their quarterback situation is not good. I don't care who it is. Um, I don't care if it's Baker or Sam Darnold. I just don't think it's what they need to to be a contender um, in this division or in the NFC. So that is probably the way I would look at it for the Panthers heading into it. The one thing I will say, their schedule. Um, I'm not sure where you have it on the ranking, Dylan, but I mean, they get, what is it, I think they get four of their first five games at home, um, which is a very interesting, you know, start. They get the Browns, the Saints, the Cardinals, and Niners all at home in the first, mm-hmm. basically, month of the season. Um, and now in the road games at New York against a, a not a great Giants team, probably. So that's something to think about. Like, I look at their schedule, and it's not that intimidating to me um, compared to most, um, you know, because you're going to get – 
like I said, you're going to get the Giants. You're going to get teams. You know, you get the Falcons twice. Um, you know, got to go to Seattle, Detroit are all on there. So there are winnable games on here, but I just, I don't know. I don't have high expectations for this team. No, I mean, they've just, the thing about them is, uh, kind of mentioned off the top in terms of they have not really acknowledged how much of a rebuild they need to be in. They've made some picks with that in mind. And then you, not to t- not taking away too much from Matt Corral, who had obviously a really bad injury that was unfortunate that will keep him out, I believe, even potentially for the whole year, if I if I don't disremember correctly. So, um, but just taking him with a third round pick, just different depth moves like that, where it's like, what? What are we doing here in terms of we just have a bunch of quarterbacks? And I, I think Baker's better than any of the, the guys they've had. But it's like, how much does this really move the needle with this roster? Uh, the offensive line across the board, not exactly a unit that I would be intimidated by. I'm excited for what a Quanu can do, obviously. And I'm going to be slated in at left tackle right off the bat while we're uh, just starting the record. I don't know if you saw that they just traded for LaVisca Chenault from uh, yeah, Jacksonville. So... In terms of, you know, but again, it's like, is that such a huge difference maker over guys? They had, you know, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, both really good options, but we just haven't seen this offense consistently put up really big um, numbers, even when McCaffrey's been out there. Um, they're, yeah, the, the projections on them are not great. So they're schedule wise, 13th, so not too bad, but they have projected to have the second worst record uh, or they're the second lowest projected team on by football outsiders. They think the offense is going to be just horrible they have them at 30th and the defense at 22nd so not a lot of faith there I think if you know I do think with Baker in there and I do think with if if McCaffrey can stay healthy for more of an extended period of time and it's not that not that Chuba Hubbard has by any means not been solid enough when he has played I I I tend to be a bit higher than that I wouldn't say they're one of the like the, the worst I wouldn't say they're the second worst team in the NFL right now or at least win projection wise I wouldn't predict that to happen but they only went five and 12 last year they had kind of some weird games where they beat some good teams that just were having kind of off weeks when they when they matched up against them um you know looking back down the the list beating arizona 34 to 10 was just such a weird one they had quickly um they beat new orleans pretty soundly in week two so those were really the only actually wins against good teams otherwise uh they, they did stay in a game against dallas in week four so they had some interesting performances but overall i think yeah it's a team that just hasn't just aggressively given into the full idea of the rebuild the things that we saw going back you know years now before the bills current up their they built up their current foundation they're a team that had some financial uh, uh you know inflexibility compared to what you would hope for a rebuilding team at the time and brandon bean and that and that staff really went to work and accepted some things that were not going to be good in the interim and it's just i think it's partially a thing with where the timeline with how long that rules there and this coaching staff knowing they need to to win now, the owner being a little impatient uh, since Tepper's gotten there, it just hasn't been maybe the best situation in terms of really embracing not quickly winning. It just feels like that a lot of the additions and different things they've done are quick solutions to problems that are do not require quick solutions. And even if the players do pan out and are solid that they get, what does that really mean? What is your ultimate goal? And uh, you know, if your if your goal is just to potentially in, in a year or, two, or maybe in a couple of years like be a fringe playoff team, that's great. But like I. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the long-term outlook is. That's the, that's the thing that's more frustrating. If I, if I feel like if I were a Panthers fan, I wouldn't be so worried about this. And I, it just, it, who knows if it's gonna, if it's really gonna just continue. We'll see what happens if Matt Rule, if they're solid enough, is he gonna get another year? If he, if they do move on, does Tepper still have those kind of expectations? It's a really kind of a weird place 
I feel like for the Panthers right now, I felt better about where they were maybe even a couple of years ago going in the direction they were starting to go and just some additions and some things they've done, you know, like Austin Corbett, solid guard. I think additions like that are solid uh, um, uh, thing, moves to make for a foundation, but across the board, more draft strategy-wise, the way they've traded some of the picks, where they've allocated these resources, to getting guys like Darnold. I mean, uh, it's it's just overall you look at it and it's like, ugh. It's not, a, it's not a great team. Like, you're not looking at the Panthers on your schedule and feeling like you're in for a tough, overly tough game. Like, you, if you play your best, you're probably going to beat them, and that's not a good situation to be in. So um, I think ceiling, if the offense if with Baker is, like, solid enough, may, maybe eight wins. That's maybe being a little uh, – maybe I'm getting a little too optimistic there. I would – seven to eight probably is the absolute ceiling floor-wise. I mean, they went five – they had five wins last year. Uh, I mean, I guess like yeah, they could they could be worse. I don't I don't think they will be, but I, I guess four if I'm really being overly negative. So yeah, I, I just do not have much faith in this in this team. I understand where the why that number is at six and a half. I feel like that's a pretty good placement. Unlike the Saints, when I'm like I feel pretty good about the over the Panthers. I don't overly feel good about either direction, but I might tend to go lower. I might I might take the under on that six and a half. Mm, not ideal. Um... <laughs> Not ideal in that scenario, but uh, we do have one more team to go, and that's the Falcons. So if you're taking the under in the Panthers scenario, six and a half. The Falcons are four and a half. Um, not again. You want to talk about a team that's uh, there? There seem to be some weaknesses uh, in a lot of areas. Yeah. I think that would describe the Falcons. Um, again, four and a half. Think about this. It's the lowest to the to this point in our previews. I pretty. Dylan, right? I think the Seahawks had five and a half. Was that the lowest with the Jets? Yeah, I think so. And the Lions had six and a half. Um, so yes, this is the team with the lowest projected total through seven divisions. Uh, as we said, there's going to be someone's going to tie them in the AFC South, and you yep. know exactly what we're talking about. But <laughs> so keep that in mind. Tied for the lowest projected win total in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about the Falcons because I I don't have any idea what to expect from this team. Um, I don't like. Just I don't know. I, I think this is a team that's going to have to force some turnovers uh, to to help be able to kind of help things out because I don't know what to expect from their offense uh, with with Marcus Mariota uh, leading the way. Uh, I feel like you know there was at least some familiarity there with Arthur Smith, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think the Falcons are winning a lot of games, and I think the Falcons are focused on the future that could involve Bryce Young. Um, Otherwise, I I don't I don't know, man. I mean, their their schedule too. Like I'm looking at their schedule, it's not easy at all. Um, what, what is their what's the schedule uh, strength of schedule? So for Atlanta, they are they are twelfth. So not Ooh, kind yeah. of in the middle, uh, a little tougher, but not overly. Yeah, I I don't love their schedule. I'm looking <laughs> at it here. Got to go to play the Rams road games against the Bucks, Bengals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yikes! Um, yeah, games against Baltimore. Yeah, so not ideal. Um, I don't know, man. This is yeah. I don't. I think the the differences between the Panthers and the Falcons will be interesting. But I think the, the Panthers are a better team. But like you said, you would probably take the under on the Panthers being a six and a half win team. So that's not I not not perfect for the Falcons here. Yeah, I just I, I'd rather you know at this point both franchises and 
difficult spots, but I'd rather be, I guess, even if I'm not, if I'm not worried about this season in particular, like I'd rather be where the Falcons are from a, again, acknowledging where they are. We've uh, we've seen uh, uh, with Mr. Blank, the owner not being as pushy with these kind of things. He's been more patient in the past. So from that point of view, from the way that they've, you know, started to approach the draft, some of the, the guys they've, they've, they got in the second round on defense, uh, well, we talk talk about Ibikitai, um as being a, a solid uh, possible kind of pass rusher. Um, I, I, you know, I, th- I think the defense isn't going to be good this year. I think getting Casey Hayward's a nice addition, but does that really move the needle? I think AJ Terrell's great, um, another a really big foundational piece. So they have these, they have some talented players. Their front and, and overall that that group just isn't like you're not going to go into a game being overly intimidated again by the Falcons they have a little bit higher projected win total than Carolina by 0.4 here um just above teams like Seattle and the Jets so they're still towards the bottom of our of the list from football outsiders the special teams aren't supposed to be great they have the offense at 19th projected so they I mean yeah you you look at it their offensive line may be one of the worst ones in the league but uh, at least you have some pieces again like you feel like obviously we'll see if Drake London's on the field Right now, uh, it doesn't sound like long-term Arthur Smith's overly concerned about his health, but maybe that could still put him in jeopardy for the beginning of the season. But I think he he fits in really well to what they want to do. And and obviously, Kyle Pitts, they started seeing the, uh, even a few times the preseason, just using him in different parts of the field. I, I think there's a chance that with his ability and his route running and, and the uniqueness of who he can be as a player and how they've already given Cordell Patterson such a unique role. I do think there's in, in exciting things to see here. Even Ritter at times in the preseason looked pretty solid. We'll, we'll see, obviously, it's a lot different facing guys and you know trying to make rosters rather than the top players in the league. But I, I just it might take some time again, but I think they have at least some things to build on and are taking a, a better approach to it. So... Yeah, this season's going to be bleak. I do, again, I, off the top I mentioned, I, at least they acknowledged you know, that they needed to do this. They needed to take a step back before they could really step um, and possibly start rebuilding. They, last year, according to Football Outsiders, they had, since 1981, out of the all teams that won seven games, they had the worst DVOA of any team <laughs> that won at least seven games. It's because they beat so many bad teams, and they beat them usually barely, and then they would get destroyed by the, the, the top competition. So... Yeah, I think they they still have a lot of work to do. Still a ton of uh, retooling on the defense and on their offensive line, but I think they're taking steps. Uh, Floor though this year, if we're only if you're really only worried about the 2022 season, that's a different different thing. Um, I I you know I, I still think that might that number is so low at four and a half. I'd be tempted to just say they're going to at least win like five games. Um, I think floors it's still probably under that. It's still probably like four wins, but. Um, I think ceilings on uh, up to you know six. It's, uh, it's, it might be one of the smallest gaps that I've said for any team um, in terms of their floor. I, I think they're you know that you look at their percentile of like what does this team even have a chance of being above five hundred? And it's it's probably not likely. Their their most likely kind of win area is probably from five to seven wins. So I'll go with four to six. Maybe if if everything if the offense really if the offensive line takes a step forward, maybe you could say that they're going to be a little bit better and get to seven wins and do the same kind of thing they did last year i'm not buying it though i, I would maybe take the over but i would be thinking it's probably going to be with like a five six win total by the end of it yeah i'll go four to six too i think that's about it i, I may consider three but i think they'll 
find another win in there somewhere. So yeah. four to six for the Falcons. All right, we wrap up quickly with our picks for uh, division MVP, breakout player, fantasy MVP. Let's just get the division MVP quickly, Dylan. Uh, Tom Brady, I don't think there's any other choice for me. Yeah, Tom Brady's the easy choice for sure. Um, it wasn't even really a debate. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. thought of some other guys, and it's like, yeah, you, you, players can have solid seasons, on, and uh, there's still going to be some guys, despite the overall depth of the uh, of the division not being as high as other ones, I still think there's enough really big star players here. Um, but, you know, it's Tom Brady. How are we going to – you know, it's the guy that finishes right there towards the top, his number one voted player um, by the NFL top 100 players list. Whether you agree with that or not, it's it's hard to to say that he's not the best player in this division. <laughs> so I, I, he's a pretty easy choice there. Yep, I think so too. All right, our uh, breakout player. This was several you could choose from. I went Chris Olave. I said I don't I don't know what to think of the Saints, but I feel like if they are going to have you know a good season, you said it'll probably lean on the defense. But I think if they're going to be able to do that offensively, I think Chris Olave will have to play a big role in that. So. Um, I'll go with him. I feel like that's an easy pick. Probably makes the most sense, but I think they need a they need a breakout player on that in that passing game, and obviously they drafted him where they did for a reason. So I'll go. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for him for sure. I think there's a chance he ends up being the player to be, have a little bit of a positive statement on the Panthers. I went with Akeem Aquanu. I think he, going into our when we talked about him in the draft, thought he could be one of the better left tackles. So wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a really big season for Carolina, even if the rest of the roster and has some has a lot of work to do still. Yeah, I think that's a good choice uh, as well. So those two feel like pretty easy. Uh, they're easily in that group of uh, breakout players in the division. Fantasy MVP, Dylan's going to go against a guy that uh, I think I said I probably will regret not drafting this guy. I don't remember. Um, but I did. I kind of, I don't, maybe I also said he was kind of overrated. I don't mean that from a standpoint of as a player, but I think it was where he's being drafted at. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll find out. I'm going Christian McCaffrey, another easy choice. I just. You and I were kind of laughing. If you look at kind of the projected um, spots, the ADPs and stuff, it's like McCaffrey, and then the next guy's way down that list. Um, but I'll go McCaffrey. I know it's kind of a feels like a no brainer, but again, that's eh, that's what it is for me in this division. So yeah, I I mean it's this it probably well if he stays healthy, I think there's a chance. Yeah, if he, I just it's still the fact like I think is going against when we're talking about the fantasy episode. If he's there, I'm taking him just because the upside is like a possible division or, you know, fantasy league winner if he stays on the field. It's just if he gets hurt and he has been hurt. So I just, uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to change it up a bit here. I went with Kyle Pitts. I, I just think that by the end of it, his usage could be so high in the way that they want to, how he's kind of developed and how they're looking at him and not just as a tight end, but as a receiver and a lot of, a lot of the packages they're going to have. And I just think his, where he's going to get, even if the Falcons are bad, I think the the target share and everything that he's going to garner could end up putting him as uh, the top player. So while I I don't know draft wise, if I'd go with this, it's definitely more of a risky pick. There's less risk here for me just to say it. It's more of an upside. I can look back and be like, Hey, I picked him to be the fantasy division MVP (laughs) if it actually comes together. But I think, I, I do think that Pitts will take a step forward and consistency wise. I think, even if he's not going to be necessarily uh, for sure right there with the Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey's of the world, I I think there's a chance at least that he still puts up a spectacular season and ends up being in the running uh, for the, uh, for the fantasy MVP here with guys like obviously you know, Mike Evans and these guys still put up big numbers and if McCaffrey stays healthy, he'll probably end up being it. But I just I'll, I'll, I'd love to be. I'd love to see it, but I'm not going to predict it. I guess at this point. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't. Don't. Don't do what I do and just make all the easy choices. You got to go out on a limb sometimes. So, 
There you go. That's what Dylan's going to do with the fantasy uh, division MVP. But there you go. There are our thoughts on the NFC South. Uh, of course, Dylan, a lot of coverage over clutch points, getting people ready for the season. It will be here before you know it. Um, yes, we will have official regular season games next week. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff going over clutch points. Yeah, tons. We have our coming up uh, over the next week, our series on just predictions for every team in the league. You can find those in the NFL section of the of, of the clutch points app as well as our website tons of stuff looking at uh, possible surprise roster cuts covering a lot of live news always at uh, all times get our clutch points app at the nfl notifications turned on for example right while we're recording you probably saw this the niners and jimmy garoppolo are finalizing a new contract they'll make him the highest paid backup he's going to stay in san francisco which is a very different thing than what we thought was going to happen. So all we'll have ton of, plenty of follow-out by the time this episode comes out on Tuesday. I'm sure you've already read all about that. So you can find all that in the Clutch Points app of the NFL notifications as well as on clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Still all in on Trey Lance and fantasy. So there you go. Um, I'm sticking with that one. Maybe that's my bold prediction. We'll see uh, how that pans out. Take everything out of Clutch Points. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast up to you, search for Cyber Fast. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast and we'll talk to you next time. Oh.